0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Hi there. Just to say there are two movie reviews in this episode. So if for some reason you want to skip the Barbie review and just go straight to Oppenheimer, have a look in the show notes and there will be a time code there which will take you straight to it. Hi, it's Dave here. This is my wife, Cathy. Hello. This is The Cinema. It's the podcast where we walk home from the movies. And today we're seeing two movies back to back. It's Barbenheimer, baby.
0: (laughs) For anyone (laughs) who doesn't know what that is, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer are being released on the same day. Um, It's turned into like a viral film thing where everyone's so excited because they're such different movies, but both huge budgets. And And everyone has
1: admitted that they're going to both, both. so it's like...
0: So the kind of thing is, are you going to see them both in one day? Which one are you going to see at first? There's been so much discourse. There's obviously never been a bandwagon. Dave and I haven't jumped on. So we've decided to go and see both. Uh, For logistical reasons, we're going to see Barbie first, Oppenheimer second, just based on what cinemas we're going to. Um, but we will think about it afterwards and decide if that was the best way to do it. And uh, yeah, before we get into it, we're gonna talk about Barbie in a minute because that's one we're seeing first, but just kind of in a general sense and the whole buzz around it, it gives me so much joy because it's all centered around like what cinema are you going to, where are you going? All the cinemas are like getting behind it. And it's just like, I feel like studios have gotten so lazy and just kind of, yeah, people don't really go to the cinema anymore. What can we do about it? They're all on streaming. Like I almost feel like, films have kind of given up a bit and I think in particular in this instance Oppenheimer's actually benefited from the fact that Barbie has gotten such a push because Warner Brothers has put everything behind the marketing of Barbie but the, and
1: but, but but it's been incredibly clever, the Barbie marketing campaign so deserves to win awards
0: It's put what it's done is realising how people consume now and Dave and I both work in marketing so we're really interested in it People consume with very much themselves and their experiences as the center. So Barbie has created like TikTok filters. Like when you go and see it in the cinema, there'll be like big Barbie boxes that you can take photos of yourself in. For months, there's been all this viral stuff of, I'm this Barbie, I'm that Barbie. And it's just really captured the fact that people wanna create their own content and also be part of something and be part of something bigger. And it's totally tapped into all that stuff. It's also got all their huge stars out everywhere until they uh, right until the actor strike kind of stopped them but I think luckily for Warner Brothers they've gotten most of the big junkets out of the way anyway they've been everywhere talking about it then it's really benefited Oppenheimer which naturally had a more conservative marketing strategy because like they didn't need it it's a Christopher Nolan film like with you know people are going to go and see it It was about World War II but then I've seen those clips of like Killian Murphy talking about how he can't wait to see Barbie you know they've all tapped in on it and Tom and Cruise, and Tom is, Cruise is part of it
1: yeah. it just feels like there was great Buzz around the cinema, not just these movies. Like, they they turned these movies into events. And that's what's so interesting when you compare it to a summer where we saw Indiana Jones come back to the cinema, you know? Someone who you would have previously defined as, you know, as like absolute, like, like, uh, like senior citizen of the summer blockbuster. And that, you know, disappointed. We saw super movie, superhero movies falling flat, you know? And now it's like a, a, a biopic about, about the man who created the atom bomb and, and a, a, a toy, <laughs> product placement movie essentially becoming the biggest event of the summer. And it's, you know it's the other thing unexpected is,
0: and fantastic. It's also the thing about people want to be at the centre of the discourse because now obviously Oppenheimer wasn't making TikTok filters or anything like that, but because it's become which you're going to see first, when are you going to see it? Everyone's engaging in the conversation. Like even on our Instagram, I was like putting up polls, which are you seeing first. The amount of people responding like everyone feels like they can kind of contribute to the conversation and that's a wonderful thing and I just I hope all the studios and everyone else like takes away from this that like people will go and see films in the cinema if you market them and if you engage the audience and like with Indiana Jones like you can't just wheel out Harrison Ford and get him to go to a few red carpets anymore like that actually just doesn't work and you can't do it and you need to be clever and like you need to just put your money where your mouth is and do property, right? But
1: underneath it all, you'd need a good movie as well. Um, Yeah, I
0: mean, they're both getting really positive reviews, so we're really pumped to see them both.
1: I will say, um, I think studios will take the wrong lesson from this, as always, Um, but let's talk about Barbie now because this is really interesting because on the the subject of studios and companies taking the wrong lesson, um, this movie's going to be an enormous hit. That's clear now, and I'm very excited to see it. But what's weird is Mattel... This, this, uh, I think it was the New York Times or Google it anyway. Look, Google Mattel's like um, cinematic universe <laughs> or whatever they're building. Mattel, who own Barbie, have like basically outlined their plans for something like forty plus of their properties turning into movies, and some of it is just bizarre and weird, like <laughs> Uno, like a movie about Uno, the card game.
0: It's like it so- didn't work. We all watched Clue. And that was actually, at least had a murder mystery to it. Caracts, like, like, it doesn't work.
1: I just feel like, I, I don't, I just feel like the wrong lesson is going to be taken from from this thing. However, right off the bat, they clearly are taking gambles with their properties, allowing filmmakers, interesting filmmakers, to do interesting things with their properties. So, I, I mean, they're at least starting off on the right what foot. If they don't
0: make a universe and like Barbie isn't in the Uno world or whatever? You know what I mean? I want my films to be separate. I'm sick of multiverses and everything layering yeah, into everything enough. else. We but just are. on Barbie, I'm so excited to watch Barbie. Um very big fan of Greta Gerwig um, as a filmmaker, as a writer, I think she's absolutely wonderful. Um, I love that her and Margot Robbie worked so much together on this. I, they've made it very clear that they never wanted Barbie to just be like, okay, Mar- Margot Robbie kind of looks like what you think about when you think of a Barbie, but that Barbie was not about A certain body type, or certain skin color, anything like that. Like they've just done a very conscious effort around casting to make sure that you see lots of different bodies on screen. And I can't wait to see Ryan Gosling. I think he looks amazing as Ken. And I'm just really excited. Like, you know, it's just it looks. There's been so much buzz about it. It looks great. Like I've seen.
1: I'm more excited for this than Oppenheimer.
0: I'm more excited for this than Oppenheimer as well. But I'm but I'm actually really excited for the whole thing. Like I can't separate them in my mind anymore. (laughs)
1: I can't Such a weird Such a weird thing That I did not think would happen I think
0: of like my dad (laughs) As an example of someone Who won't have heard a second About Barbie and Oppenheimer Being anything to do With the two of them And he'll just be like Oh I want to see Oppenheimer Like there'll be people Who only want to see One of them as well And we can't forget that Yeah of course Yeah
1: Um, And and as I said At the top of this episode If you do want to skip Barbie Go straight to Oppenheimer (laughs) You've got the time codes There in the show notes Now we're
0: going to go We're going into Barbie In a few minutes And then um we're going to be in our car. We're going to drive to the next cinema so we'll record our barbie review in the car. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, see you soon. Bye. Hey Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight?
0: Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights. Diamonds under my the best day ever it is the best day ever so is yesterday and so is tomorrow and every day from now until forever dance, Do you guys ever think dance, about dying when my heart breaks some things have been happening that might be related cold shower Ooh. falling off my roof ah! and my heels are on the ground <gasps> Okay, we're back. We have just seen Barbie and we are in the car driving straight to Oppenheimer.
1: Yes, our multi-cinema <laughs> Barbenheimer <laughs> experience continues.
0: I'm so excited. Um I can't What, what, wait, a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> Dave, thoughts on Barbie. Before we get to sport Street, just your thoughts on yeah, how do you feel?
1: About I think you're hosting now, right? So you have to tell everyone that if it's their first time at the Mile, uh-huh. we don't spoil the movie until we drive onto Spoiler Street.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then if you're here for the Oppenheimer bit, then there's the time code, which you should have heard at the beginning, mm-hmm. or it's in the notes where you can skip ahead for that. Uh-huh. So, Barbie, okay. So I was, as you know, as I said at the top, very excited for this movie. More excited than Oppenheimer. Okay, so my expectations were actually super high for this. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think. I think it was very, very entertaining. I I found it very funny. I laughed a lot. I really admire the production design of this movie. The the way they just brought this plastic world to life. It feels um, very... uh, you know it's very meta this is you know the, the movies that are the big hits these days are we're in the world of meta now you've got across the spider-verse commenting on spider uh, spider-man's place in pop culture and, and pop history uh, this movie feels like a blend of Toy Story and the Lego movie I think it oh they they feel like progenitors to this it is a movie that comments on Barbie's um, legacy on Barbie's place in modern society, and it tackles a lot of interesting ideas in a fun and novel way. I think Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach did a fantastic job pulling all this uh, pulling this madness and it is mad into some semblance of a movie plot that is that is funny and entertaining And I think she deserves so much credit as a director, because she did an incredible job. Um,
0: Are you gearing up for a butt?
1: Yeah, I've got a butt. I've got a butt. I think, I'll, I'll talk about it more in Spoiler Street, but I think there's a lot of missed opportunities here. This movie hints at having a real emotional heart to it. It introduces a number of characters who I assumed would be the heart of the movie. And I think it drops the ball there. I think its ultimate message is a little bit muddled and all over the place, but it doesn't, for me, detract from what is an incredibly unique and entertaining and funny experience, and I would watch that again in a heartbeat.
0: Um, I right. would watch it again in a heartbeat, and I'm actually going to watch it again uh, in two days, my mom and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: my God, well, we didn't talk about what an, a, a, an event this movie. I mean, we talked about it at the top about like the, the all of film. The film world is talking about Barbenheimer weekend, but this is converting to m- bombs on seats. Like our cinema has never been that packed, has it?
0: No, it was unbelievable, um, and it was probably eighty percent minimum uh, women in the room as well. Women and girls. Um, but I think just on the set design piece, it's so incredible when it when the screen lit up with this world and obviously we've seen all the promotions and all the trailers but actually none of that did justice to like living in the Barbie world did you see that it actually featured in Ar- uh, Architects Digest? No? Yeah, like the magazine actually, the, the set featured in that Oh wow um, They
1: did, sorry the, the, the production designers and the set designers of this uh, of this blew uh, like they, they absolutely blew it out of the water They deserve was, an Oscar
0: It was stunning Yeah um, So it looked incredible The music was unreal I saw that yeah, Mark Ronson did the music I didn't know
1: it would, it would have musical numbers And
0: they were brilliant They were so good yeah. Margot Robbie is just like beyond perfect As Barbie casting I can't conceive that anyone else Could have ever done the role um, Ryan Gosling as Ken Is possibly one of my favourite film performances of all time So funny He was so wonderful And it reminded me that he was like A Disney club kid wasn't he? Back in the day,
1: yeah, yeah, him and the Britney Spears, right? And,
0: uh, like he's a singer Justin and dancer, and yeah, yeah, yeah. which and I know he did, um, and I know he did. Um, God, what's that Hollywood fifties movie, La La Land. La La Land? I know he's in that, and he's obviously brilliant in La La Land. But this is like a completely different singing and dancing uh, vibe for him. He's incredible. He's such a performer. And then it's like, what a cast! Like the amount of actors in this film. Um, I didn't know Will Ferrell was in it, and he's absolutely fantastic in it. Um, America Ferreira, I love her. We love Issa Rae on this podcast, so to have her in it. Then we have, um, oh, who's the guy from the- Simu Lu,
1: Simu Lu, Simu, uh, Louis, Lu, Lu, I, I think Simu was, Lu, from uh, Shang-Chi. He was brilliant. He
0: was so yeah. good. Then we've got the new Doctor whose name, I can't remember. We had, was it Michael Sarah?
1: Michael Sarah's in there, yeah.
0: Um, well, unreal cast, absolutely unreal cast. Um, so all of that was like just wonderful. Uh, I loved the buzz of it, the energy of it. I enjoyed the plot. Actually, really surprised me. I hadn't. I've seen a bit of a trailer for it, but I hadn't. I didn't really know where the plot was going to go on it. And I think that might be deliberate. I really enjoyed the plot. Um, I agree with you on like. I think they took. Uh, what I think I really like about the film is it. It took. Roots I wasn't expecting And Spend time in moments That I wouldn't necessarily Have spent time in And that I could feel Our audience Which was a lot of Teenage girls Losing interest Like you could feel The moments When the chatter Was coming in Or in Dave's case The girl next to him Was taking selfies Of herself um, But you Sorry uh,
1: Yeah Teen, teen <laughs> Some teenagers Are very badly behaved at the cinema not to sound like the oldest I've ever sounded in my life but those two next to me would not shut up
0: but I think this actually speaks to the point that they're pro- it's probably bringing in teenagers who never go to the cinema and aren't in the habit of going to cinema because it wasn't really like that well behaved but I also remember when I was a teenager like me and my friend chatted through movies anyway and if we'd had camera phones we probably would have been filming ourselves and um, but I there was definite Moments in the film that felt very adult and existential and that weren't landing with the teenagers. But I actually don't mind that because I like that Greta Gerwig is very ambitious and was just going deep. And and I love that she did that, actually. Uh, so I, even though it went places I probably wasn't expecting, I actually really enjoyed all of it. And I know you said you didn't feel like it was emotional or you didn't feel it landed. It did land for me. I love the overarching message of the film, which is basically... Barbies fix feminism and then kind of learning what feminism is and just having such a feminist lens I loved that personally um, and I think I'm so happy I just had so much joy to be in a film in this film watching all this on screen and like I Had a lot of the Barbies that were being referenced or my friends had a lot of the Barbies and in particular My friends would have had a lot of the like really cool like camper vans and stuff And I would have just so coveted as a kid so I recognized more than i would have thought of in terms of them and there's some very funny references to like cancelled dolls like i definitely remember the pregnant one and she had this creepy little baby inside her tummy and like that was very funny to see on screen so yeah i just i got such a kick out of it it's yeah it was very special actually i can't wait to go back to my mom and sisters and just to see such big budget like female movie on screen it's very unusual isn't it
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, I, I think let's get to a spoiler stream yeah. now because I really want to talk about the, the plot, yeah. which I think is probably the most interesting bit for me. Um, So spoilers now, big warning now, if you haven't seen uh, Barbie, spoilers for Barbie.
0: So first thing I want to spoil is, and I don't know if people know that this is the plot, and I definitely didn't know this. this is the plot, and I loved it is that we I, we knew from the trailers from all the pro materials that like barbie and ken go to the real world which is so much fun when they enter the real world and they're so vivid and colorful and the world is so bleak what i didn't know was going to be the plot is that ken the brilliant ryan gosling was who'd been very disrespected and ignored in barbie land or barbie world whatever it's called discovers the patriarchy and then brings it back that is so funny
1: genius yeah and i didn't know that either and it was brilliant. The fact that Ken is like nominally the villain of this movie (laughs) is so clever. And I I think, you know, to to pick up your point about what you said a minute ago about the premise of this movie is so funny and relevant and clever and and self-aware that, like you said, um, in Barbie land they think that they have uh, fixed feminism and that everything's great. um, And I love that, and that, and that. In, in Ken is the is the the um, the sidekick in in the world of Barbie. Always has been.
0: And it's so cool because you know there'll be so many young girls at the cinema there today who have never heard of the patriarchy and that actually won't know what it's. They'll know the they'll they'll understand what it means about it's a man's world and all that stuff. Yeah. But they won't have actually like heard of terms like that. It's like introducing feminist language in into what is a very mainstream film I found that brilliant
1: I thought it was absolutely brilliant they they mined not only like a, a, a clever bit of conflict out of it but it was really funny as well like watching him go into a school library and pick up like a, a book about trucks and horses like it, it, it the movie pokes fun at um at at, uh, traditional perceptions of masculinity a lot as well and it's I I found all that absolutely wonderful
0: and the movie also acknowledges that the way it was at the beginning when Barbies ruled everything and Ken's didn't have a vote, like that was fucked up as well like Barbies are like we fixed feminism but all they did was all the Barbies did was live in a world that they ruled like no one was getting A good deal Now but they Like obviously In the real world Women do have a vote And have a say So like it was worse For Ken's in Barbie world than it, is, than it is worse In our world <laughs> yeah. Which I really enjoyed and, as well
1: And that's what By the end of the movie They're like They, they basically say I think America Ferrera or Somebody says uh, You know Oh Ken's are now Going to exist Like As, as women exist now As like Almost second class <laughs> yeah. Citizens But they at least Have made progress Do you know what I mean
0: I love when he's like somehow absorbing the patriarchy history and he sees like all the visuals of Sylvester Stallone and his like big mink coat (laughs) there
1: was a lot of Sylvester Stallone stuff in
0: there I think there must have been a Ken that actually had a mink coat or something because so much of it was referencing the real dog. no
1: I don't know I thought that was straight from that Sylvester Stallone picture like it's like if you it's like if an alien if you tried to explain to an alien like oh here's our world and (laughs) here's the patriarchy now you do it like that's what it felt like the little details of it were so funny there's so many funny jokes in here about about the relation you know like men come in come inside and I'm going to s- play my guitar at you oh my
0: god it was um, so fun. and I, my my favorite <laughs> bit of the whole film was like I'm just Ken Anywhere oh else I'd be a 10
1: That musical number <laughs> so was incredible Did you say Mark Ronson did the music?
0: I saw that or? he did the music I don't know who wrote the song but oh I saw God. that he was like that's,
1: that's like the, the best musical number of the year
0: When all the because all the Kens are absolutely unbelievable uh, when all the Kens first of all they have I just love that the women realise that the way to bring the men down is like oh just make them fight each other because men will do that yeah. so they start having a battle scene Their
1: war was so funny <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was like Battle of the Bastards, and then they kind of meet and just move into a dance number because they're much more comfortable with that. And the dance number was absolutely gorgeous. And that's one of the things I want to say about Greta Gerwig as a director is she can direct fight scenes, she can direct dance scenes. Like she is something else. Like
1: she, like I've seen some of her movies, and and it is she's always been very firmly in the in the sort of familiar indie camp. This is just like, yeah, as you say, it's got it's bold and bright and colourful and has a lot of physicality musical scenes, like this is a huge undertaking, she
0: smashed it and the fact that her and uh, Noah Baumbach wrote this film, the fact that she directed it the fact that Mattel, the funniest thing about the other villain in this movie is Mattel who are the people who own Barbie and who actually would have like, are behind this film the fact that Mattel are also the villains and that Mattel are the bad guys is absolutely wonderful self-awareness Will Ferrell's the CEO of Mattel and I just absolutely love the scene when um, they show us the boardroom of Mattel and it's just all men in black suits and they're like talking about glitter and female empowerment like that is actually I think a lot of companies wouldn't let that happen
1: Can I tell you I have a problem with this though okay now all that stuff was very funny Uh, Will Ferrell and his board members and and, like roller skating into the world like (laughs) there's a lot of very funny stuff there although firstly as well I mentioned the Lego Movie. This feels very like the Lego Movie, and Will Ferrell was also the the head of the the corporation in the Lego Movie, who was both in the real world and oh, really? the fantasy world. Yeah.
0: Oh, I don't. I've never watched an, much an of it. An
1: odd uh, coincidence, um, but
0: maybe intentional.
1: Uh, yes, maybe. Um, but I that's I found that a bit tricky because the movie posits that this is Barbie Land. This is the real world. Okay. And I'm like, okay, so she's coming into the real world. I'm like, okay, now we're in the real world, and we're out of Barbie land So I feel like fantasy and reality, you know, there's a clear separation, but then suddenly we're in the boardroom (coughs) of Mattel and That's kind of its own sub fantasy land. Do you know what I mean? Where they are aware of all their that these that their properties exist in an in an ultimate. Yeah, but it's dimension. not the real
0: real world. Like it's a, it's a fictionalized that, version sorry, of myself.
1: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's not the real real world. And that threw me. Because I'm like, oh, so we're just in it's not our it's not the real world. This is a hyper fantasy version of the real world. Do you know yeah, what I mean? That's okay so,
0: though.
1: Well, I guess it is okay, but it required some an extra level of mental gymnastics I had not prepared for. So yes, good and surprising. However, and here's this leads into one of my problems with the movie. It, it pulls the reality of, of of the setting, it makes it less real. And for me, I f- thought where, where this movie was going, and it's fine that it didn't go the way I thought, but I thought it was going to stay in the real world and that it's going to be about America Ferreira and her daughter and that they are <coughs> going to be the emotional crux of this movie. Because when Margot Robbie is having those like, um, sort of flashbacks of those memories and being played with I was getting super toy story uh, vibes and I, I mean I and think it the, was making me well up I, I was think like, the
0: montage was like straight out of toy story of the toy it was like probably deliberate well, not exactly to toy story.
1: but I was like wow this is this is gonna be powerful and it's gonna get me um and then they sidelined those two characters they get absolutely um sidelined and I think it's to the movie's detriment now what it was surprising that they, they obviously chose to make it more about Margot Robbie and her character's emotional arc, but she is not real, and and the whole thing about her becoming real, I think at the end, I think it's weird and not well handled. Her creator coming out, it's just a bit, it's like, it's a bit all over the that place. The
0: creator too many scene, ideas. the creator scene is where the entire audience fell off a cliff and our set, yeah. everyone was started talking, and like, you could just feel that everyone was like, what's happening? But it
1: lost me as well. I'm like, what are you trying to say here, movie? <laughs> like, that Bar, I, and I did, I just felt like it was all a little muddled. Um, and I felt like the movie would have been more interesting if they had focused more on America Ferreira's sort of insecurities as a woman which is what they seemed like it was kind of doing but then it just she just becomes this kind of accomplice to to a weird heist so I'm not saying that anything I, that we got is bad it's as I said it's brilliant it's very entertaining I just felt like I it wasn't what I was expecting and I think it would have been more powerful to root it more in the emotional experience of those two women
0: well, Um, I mean yeah the real women do you know what I mean? well Fine. The daughter
1: character Completely had nothing to
0: do The so. daughter I, I think America Forever Actually wasn't sidelined And had a ton to do And she was actually crucial In the unravelling Of the patriarchy It's actually the daughter That was sidelined But the daughter do- They deliberately sidelined The daughter Which I thought was interesting Because Barbie's like I'm here to help this girl And then Barbie's like Wait It was the mom I was having memories." of That a good of. twist as well That I was the twist I So I think it. the daughter Was actually at that point Consciously and deliberately Sidelined And it became about The mother And the mother had kind of forgotten herself and it was about that I didn't mind any of that and I like when movies take me where I'm not expecting though I think a lot of the audience would agree with you um, in that they didn't like it but I actually really liked at the end that Margot Robbie's character was like I can't live in Barbie land anymore like she's too conscious so she decides to move to the real world and right at the end we think oh she's got a job she's gonna start a job and then I think they answered the question that it certainly I'd been thinking about because she'd made a point of acknowledging earlier on in the movie that she'd no genitalia I just love that it ended on her going to a guy Office. I mean that's funny
1: it, like was, a that's,
0: good, it was a good gag yeah. it was but it was actually I had been thinking it because because she'd gone on earlier about how they don't have any genitalia so I just think that I like that the movie totally surprised me and landed in a totally different place than what I thought again I agree with you I thought it was going to be all about America for but it's the Barbie movie like you, you're saying she's not real but Barbie's the central character and the protagonist of this film she is real in the film and she becomes human in the end she is the main character America for is not
1: yeah okay but they and they did a pretty good job of make trying to tie up a third act resolution they even comment on it like wait what is Barbie's ending and people make suggestions and,
0: yeah and but, I think the point is me- though like at the or at the start of the film like Will Ferrell and those men are like we need to put Barbie back in her box and the point is she's uh, Got her own consciousness now. She needs to make her own decisions. And I actually think part of the film slightly derailing and confusing us at the end is the kind of the point, which is that she's chosen her own journey. It's not where you thought the film was going to end up, and it's just different. And she's not getting back in the box. And I, I think that's the message of it.
1: I, yes, I guess. But I think that I think the film has to work a lot harder to make. And I think Marco Robbie did a good job, but the film has to work a lot harder to make you um, care emotionally, be invested in barbie as and ken as two-dimensional characters who are very entertaining and fun rather than focusing on the human characters which i think would have been preferable
0: but i'll be interested to see what our listeners think about the ending because i do think it is divisive and i definitely felt it in the room but i think ultimately the whole film as a whole surprised me because it's not just the kind of flashy bright barbie and in some ways i think losing people wasn't good but in another way I kind of like that it's almost like stealth slipped in some surprising scenes and I think the reference to the and I really enjoyed the reference in the film to men explaining The Godfather to women was so funny yeah, and I love... There's
1: some really funny stuff. Yeah, there.
0: like, come on, the amount of men who've tried to talk to me about The Godfather and I've repeatedly been like, well, I just don't really like it. Like, And they can't accept it and I just love that she brought that up. Now, the Zack Snyder joke felt like an absolute lead balloon in our audience. Not a single person laughed and I don't think got the reference. Laugh,
1: I didn't laugh either. Yeah. I got the reference. It wasn't yeah. funny. Anyway, look, we need to, yeah. we need to move on. So uh, we're drawing a line under Barbie now. We're looking for a parking spot here for... The next leg of our experience. So welcome if you have just skipped ahead from the time code and you don't want to watch Barbie and you're here for Oppenheimer. So the Barbie chat is finished. We're on to Christopher Nolan and Oppenheimer. Kathy, how are you feeling about this? What was where are you at on the on the Oppenheimer thing?
0: I mean I'm buzzed for it because I love huge budget movies. I love Killian Murphy. I even though I don't always like Love or even particularly like Christopher Nolan films I always enjoy the scale of his films and actually when we went to see Tenet a couple of years ago uh, the first film we watched after lockdown was one of my best ever movie experiences just because we were so happy to be back in the cinema so I'm really positively predisposed to this I don't know anything about Oppenheimer I actually had never heard of him before Um so yeah, I'm kind of going in open-minded and we're going to see it in the closest thing Cork has to an IMAX which is a MAX with the lots of X's at the end. Yeah, it doesn't have the I. Yeah, so as good as we can get it in Cork. Uh, now I am already highly stressed about the three hour runtime, it's actually making me anxious. I'm stressed
1: about finding parking. <laughs> I think the whole of Cork has come... <laughs> uh...
0: parking in there. Um, how are you feeling anyway?
1: Um, I'm, it, what's interesting is that I'm not particularly excited about this movie. But I'm excited because everyone
0: else is excited. Exactly, it's made me so excited. <laughs> is it like, it's just it's such an
1: event, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's such an event. Like, we, like, this never happens, right? When you book the cinema in Gork, you, you never have to worry about seats. I went to book it like five days ago, and I basically got us the last two seats. That's unheard of. Yeah. Uh, did you hear of Oppenheimer before this film?
1: Uh, yes. Right. I'm f- I'm a lot more familiar <laughs> with history than you are. It seems. I mean, I know <laughs> no, yeah.
0: I know there's an atomic bomb. I just didn't know who invented it. Like. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, do you want me to mansplain to you what it what it's all about, or do you just want to watch the movie? No,
0: I just want to watch the movie. But I have the fear of a three-hour <laughs> film, and I really hope they've put an intermission. Here's in what it. I will
1: say. I um, might alienate some people with this, but I think Christopher Nolan is is a really overhyped director. Um, I think. He's a very good director, and I love that he he's one of the few living directors who is the draw. Mm-hmm. Like, people are turning up, yeah. not because they want to know the story of Oppenheimer, yeah. let's face it. They're showing up for Christopher Nolan, yeah. um, and that's awesome that a man can do that, and he has done a lot for cinema mm-hmm. and is keeping it going, and is fighting. So so much so, he left his, his deal with Warner Brothers, long-time deal, and went to Universal because of the whole HBO... Max thing During the pandemic He was not happy And And,
0: he brought cinema back After the pandemic Yeah
1: So so I really admire the man And I think he is A great director And I love um, (coughs) Interstellar And Inception And the I I just think he's got This weird cult Around him He's got this Kind of like I don't know Like there's a Sort of a it's, It's like a nicer version Of the Zack Snyder Toxic fan base Where Where there's just you know he's he's revered as mm-hmm. this like do you know and and for me I don't I don't ever see that in his. But movies. it gets your it,
0: it gets my back up as well when there's that kind of overly reverent predisposition to anything it immediately gets my back up. So the Dark Knight thing is is a bit like the Zack Snyder thing. You're getting too into fandom with comic books, so he's pulled it back now, and this is kind of for everyone else, right?
1: Uh yeah yeah, 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 And like uh, well, World
0: War II is like the number one most bankable theme you can have in a film as well.
1: It's an interesting one, yeah. I mean I'm I'm I think I'm I know he's gonna deliver good entertainment. Killian Murphy's awesome. This has got a great cast. I'm interested in the subject matter. Yeah. So yeah. Let's uh let's,
0: let's hit in. the max. Bye. This is a national emergency. Didn't need a charge. race against the Nazis and I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb we have a 12-month head start 18 how could you possibly
1: know that we've got one hope all America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here secret laboratory Keep everyone there until it's done.
0: Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. If we
1: don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would
0: we go to the middle of nowhere for who knows how long?
1: Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? You're the great
0: improviser, but this you can't do in your head.
1: Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero.
0: Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice.
1: Hello, we're back. We've seen Oppenheimer, but it was last night. We we came out of that movie and we were just worn down from our double bill and three <laughs> yeah. hours of Oppenheimer it was just we couldn't string a thought together Yo, so we were like
0: we'll pick it up in the morning <laughs> which we've done it's early But we morning. haven't talked about it no early morning we're out for a walk uh, by the sea talk about Oppenheimer um wow
1: well so firstly if, if it's uh, if it's your first time listening to our podcast we're not going to spoil Oppenheimer although I think if you know you should know how it ends <laughs> I hope um but we will when we turn onto uh, Spoiler Street by this lovely cliff walk. Uh, so, Cathy, what did you. I'm out of breath already. Yeah, we're
0: walking over a really steep it's cliff way It's going to be a
1: long, uh, a long <laughs> walk.
0: So, I was uh, incredibly blown away by this film, actually. Um, any listeners will know that I hate movies that are long. I tend to get really annoyed by long movies and feel like people should have cut loads of stuff out of them and, and that they drag and lag. <laughs> i honestly feel like this three hours whizzed by it's the most engaged i've ever felt in a movie of this duration um i was quite astounded by it i feel like and i mentioned i don't always like Christopher Nolan movies albeit i always respect him as a director and a filmmaker um i think this is the best thing he's ever made i think it's an astounding piece of work i think it's probably one of the best films i've ever seen I think Killian Murphy is, an, like, an astonishing screen presence. Uh, it was absolutely lovely for us watching the cinema, watching it in Cork, because Killian Murphy's from Cork, and that just makes you really proud. And um, even though his achievements have nothing to do with us, but like, it's really nice. And uh, it was a totally packed cinema, and people actually clapped at the end. Um, How amazing!
1: Just to like yeah, it was amazing. in one day, we saw like two packed out screenings it was so nice and we and we that we normally for context like our cinemas are never booked out
0: ever we've often been the only people in them yeah so it's just such a joy to be at a completely packed out cinema is back yeah we mentioned um that we were going to a max screening which is where, where which they have in the omniplex in cork it was fantastic like the sound was incredible the visuals were incredible i'm so glad we went to that screening but back to the film. Yeah, Killian Murphy is astonishingly good. Like he's always good. I always rate him as one of the best actors. He is just phenomenal in this film. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that I actually hadn't heard of Oppenheimer before. Um, like I knew the kind of cut and thrust of some of this stuff, but I by no means had any details. So I came at it with really no knowledge and um, just found the story fascinating. Um, I I kind of don't want to speak too much before spoilers on on any particular elements of it, because I do think what's very interesting about the film is like how he chose to tell the story and the storytelling devices, and we'll probably get into that more in spoiler street. Um, but I think it's Killian Murphy's film, like it's got a fantastic supporting cast, but it's all about him really. Uh, and what this film doesn't at all do, and what I had a slight concern in advance of, is. Like my least favorite genre is like what you call a biopic or a biopic, yeah, whichever was, way you say it. Yeah, I was going to
1: say this exactly. The, the, it, it
0: can get, it can be very hit and miss if that formula works, if you're talking about a real person who lived in history and like how you tell a story. Now, and I think in, well, A, this is, <laughs> oh, well, B just flew at us. It,
1: No, no, it flew onto the mic. So you probably <laughs> all heard that as well. <laughs>
0: um... A, So, but this is more the story, this is a science story, and it's a story of like the building of the atomic bomb. And I think that's why it's so, such a fascinating film. And then of course it's also about Oppenheimer, but even though he's the namesake and the star of it, it's actually a very scientific film and, I love watching all that development of all the scientific elements but it just the sound was incredible oh my god yes the score was incredible the visuals were incredible I just adored it I absolutely adored it right Dave yeah I
1: I, I'm just stunned by it like I think I think it's a masterpiece it's this is like you know we were saying at the beginning it's like um While I do think there's some- a lot of hyperbole around Nolan sometimes He is a proper cinema director, like Whatever- whatever the, you know, definition of that might be, but like He is telling stories visual- like with visuals and sounds And in- in the most interesting way and conveying ideas You could have heard a
0: pin drop in the cinema Yeah,
1: exactly, the tension that is wrung From a load of people in a tiny room Interviewing, which is kind of one of the core foundations of this movie for like For three hours is is absolutely Jaw-dropping, but to to pick up your point the which I agree with is that this is a biopic and that is my least favorite um, genre of movies because you tend to have um, a Well, you know a a well-worn-out Story portrayed on the big screen by by an actor doing a Big Oscar, Beatty performance that is often just an over-the-top impersonation of a very eccentric figure, right? So in a in a weaker, you know, in a weaker film, it would be Albert Einstein, like who is a very eccentric character, or I'm thinking of um, um, the Stephen Hawking one recently, or just people with like very like big sort of uh, eccentric characters and big performances, but. Robert Oppenheimer as a person as we are seeing him conveyed here is is kind of interesting but very subtle and and like somebody who doesn't Quite express his emotions or feelings to his, the people around him.
0: Well, like, so seems like there are rooms that there are rooms full of scientists. Like, but, it, but that's what it. That's what. No, it, but scientists. No, no,
1: no. But I disagree with you there because the scientists around him are huge personalities. They're conflicting with each other. They're all arguing all the time. Robert Oppenheimer is someone who keeps his cards ridiculously close to his chest, and that is what is so impressive about this as a movie and as a performance from Killian Murphy because it's so. It's quiet and restrained, and it is. I'm
0: actually smiling just like thinking about how good Killian Murphy is. In like, film. I'm
1: sorry, you yeah, Killian Murphy. Like, does so, he? He not only carries this film, he just is. He is this film. Yeah. Like this film, which well, I actually do um, think it has a great script, and I don't always rate Christopher Nolan oh, it's a fantastic and his experience. brother's writing either. But re- here, it's just like it is. He tells this story. With a lot of complexity and detail, in a very interesting way, in a way that he, you know, he likes to play with time, and sometimes that can be gimmicky. Here, it really adds something. Uh-huh. But Killian Murphy's performance is, is the heart of this movie. It's the core of this movie. It is expressing a, a, a genius's, you know, um, conflict between, you know, tr- um, th- trying to progress science and humanity, and seeing things that normal people can't see, trying to live in a political context, and how those two kind of, you know, marry together, and also um, having to deal with literally the world changing because of their decisions.
0: Yeah, that that stuff, the the philosophical elements of it are dealt with so well, as well, and the history, it's such a moment in time because you've got characters like Albert Einstein, Oppenheimer, um Heisenberg. You've got all yeah, these. and the, I was like, I've heard of these dudes. Uh, the
1: names of the scientists that are getting thrown out. are yeah. li- Like they are household names. It
0: would have been like, the, what a time to be alive as a nuclear physicist or whatever the hell he was. What was he again?
1: But also it's like World War II and, and Hitler is happening at the same yeah. time. Like, It's an incredible time in history. But what what's funny is that like, There's a line in this movie, which is in the trailer, by Matt Damon, who plays the, you know, the general in charge of the Manhattan Project, or Los Alamos, and he says, uh, this is is the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of humanity, and when you see that in the trailer, and kind of when you see it here, it's so over the top, you almost laugh. But it's true. But it is true, it actually is. This is, this changed, like our, it, it, it opened a door uh, by which we are now in a world living in the shadow of that decision, and nuclear threat and and mutually assured self-destruction is, is a possibility that we live within the background of our lives. Yeah. today. And, and that is a future that Oppenheimer was trying to reckon with in the moment of doing it in the aftermath of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And, and it's something that is relevant to us today. And so so yeah, the, I was honestly, Christopher Nolan just spun the whole thing into- I think it's into the
0: best a, film he's ever made. It,
1: it, yeah, it, it's just like I was gripped. Um, I, I thought the whole, the way he weaves all the different, um, like he's weaving like courtroom <laughs> hearings, uh, public hearings with smaller public hearings together and they're bashing off against each other to create momentum and storytelling and 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 it's just propulsive I, I mean like yeah, I was just I'm super I'm super impressed and by that. It. It, was also, a, it was amazing
0: every five seconds We were like, oh, there's not a famous actor Oh there's a, because obviously thousands and thousands of scientists work on something like this and I think the film did a really good job of conveying the amount of people that, you know, it's not just one man who yeah. can do something like this. And they really wanted to convey how it's like thousands of people from the scientific community and outside of that coming together. And um, the just uh, nodding to that, I think the amount of characters who came and went, frankly, I couldn't remember any of their names, but it's just like, oh, yeah. Oh, there's that famous act. I can't even think of any of them off the top of my head now well, we'll there list, was like 40 of them. Well, we'll list
1: some off in Spoiler Street because there were some <laughs> surprises in there yeah. as well. But that's what I mean by this being like a better version of a biopic as well because it kind of... A, a worse version of this would just, you know, just tell the story with the plot. And there, there is a bit of that where you just have all these characters and coming in and like it just has to get through this stuff. But it's all grounded by Killian Murphy, who is at the centre of this whole thing, or Rappaport, and yeah, I mean, will we just, get to spoilers? Go street? to
0: spoilers, and um, we both loved it anyway. Recommend. See it in the biggest screen you can watch it in with the best sound. Um, if you're in Cork, go and see it in the max. The sound. <laughs> the sound. The score is just wonderful. I'm just so glad we saw it in that screen, and I think it's the kind of film, and everyone knows this, and this is why I do love Christopher Nolan. Everyone knows you need to see his. His movies at the cinema and um, And
1: he shoots on film it like, looks like it would like be such a waste Gorgeous.
0: it would be such a waste to watch this film on a small screen. It truly would be. Yeah. It would still be a fantastic film, but it would be such a shame and particularly you know the scene when the bomb goes off. Well let's uh, You wanna see that on a big screen, right? Let's
1: talk about spoilers now. Yeah. So spoilers for the movie. Oppenheimer and I guess spoilers for real life Um, So, yeah, those scenes that you're describing that just stood out to me, that you have to be, you just have to be in a silent room with your own thoughts and sharing Oppenheimer's horror for those to be truly effective, you can't really, I don't think this is going to have the same impact on, on the home setting when you watch this and then pause it and then talk about it and go for a cup of tea. Yeah. So the ones that stood out to me were yes the bomb scene is incredibly impressive but for me the one that absolutely floored me the scene that i'm still thinking about this morning is the uh the scene after the um the detonation um after the two bombs are dropped where he gives that speech at los alamos
0: oh that was the victory speech in this tiny
1: sort of basketball court With with all these people in the bleachers, just just I was floored. You've got Killian Murphy conveying. What? (coughs) Yeah, was there was a basketball net behind them? They'd set up. um,
0: Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah,
1: they'd set up. uh, You know, it was obviously they'd built Las Alamos with facilities and and things, right? That's where they were. Um, you've got him conveying. He's saying these words, which is obviously a speech he's written. He's like, the Japanese sure didn't like it. Yeah, all this kind of stuff. And it's, 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 his words are, 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 are chilling. You can see he's battling with the reality of what he has contributed towards and what they have done. And, and, but, but they don't just express that with Killian Murphy's brilliant performance. Christopher Nolan and his team do this, like, what they do with sound here is particularly incredible. Suddenly the audience is quiet. Then you then you're just hearing his words. Then suddenly sound comes ripping back in. You know, the, the sound, the way they layered in the sound of the uh, stamping feet throughout yeah. the whole movie. You know, he's this late, where where, we see masterful. him later where that, that stamping feet is, is following him yeah. throughout the whole movie. And
0: he starts imagining someone's like skin coming off yeah. and someone's crying. And I think they're the moments. Where you're like, Chris Nolan is an absolute god of cinema. And the other scene that I think actually took a similar vibe for me was the scene where he's in being interviewed and his wife's behind him. And then he has to admit on this in this interview process that He spent the night with an ex-girlfriend, aka cheated on his wife. Oh, and
1: suddenly he's naked. suddenly he's naked
0: because he's so vulnerable. She's sitting behind him. Then next minute, he's basically having sex in the room, and it's like the visual of like what his wife would be imagining in that moment. And and then it was just like so well done. And I think the that and and then afterwards he's like to her, but you knew already that I'd done that, and she's like, yeah, but now it's on the record. Yes. And I really felt that, and I actually do want to speak, even though we're like, it's all Kelly Murphy's movie. I think actually Emily Blunt in this got a really good character compared to, again, most biopics where there's like a very sidelined spouse. Like she's obviously living in his shadow as the film's about him, but she had actually very complex and interesting character. She had genuine input on him and like I love when he's like we walked through fire together like you got a real sense of their kind of dynamic over the years and how how she challenged him and like I love that she got that moment at the end when she just refused to shake that guy's hand and Killian Murphy shaked it because he can't help himself because he's like always trying to appease everyone. And I love that moment for her when she was just like, I'm not shaking that guy's her hand. Mo-
1: her moment with the prosecutor was pretty great. Oh, God, she was well, wonderful. Where in that she's scene. like immediately feels like under threat by him and then she bounces back.
0: She's so good. That, she had been a biologist. That's the thing. Like he's with incredibly intelligent women as well. It's yeah. just that, cause she is a woman of the time and has married and had kids and now isn't like a scientist anymore.
1: Okay, I would like to talk about one uh, one thing I think was ambitious, but didn't really work that well. And this is Christopher Nolan again, playing with format and time. So he presents at the beginning, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's half this movie's in black and white and half isn't. And there are two title cards that come up. One says, One fusion, two fission, and this is a bit like what he did in Dunkirk, where he's trying to, you know, tell three different stories, in you know three different ways. So, but I was unclear as to what he was trying to communicate because in my head it seemed like black and white equals the fifties and colour equals the past, but that is not the case as I learned two thirds into the movie. But I
0: think by the end we both understood it and I guess one of the things, and you mentioned Dunkirk about Christopher Nolan that I like is that he doesn't spoon feed audiences and he leaves you work a lot of stuff out for yourself, but I was very confused when I realised that there was, there's effectively four timelines was it? But I got very confused by the kind of, the other black and white one where Killian Murphy was like debating at a table at Robert Downey Jr. Yes, and because this is where I got me. That was in the, I thought that was in the early 40s. But that,
1: no, but that I got scene- I so confused. No, no, I knew that scene was in the 50s because they're talking about the Soviets and the hydrogen bomb.
0: But I didn't, but, I but, truly, until you, I was like, when is this? And you were to explain it
1: to but me. But what confused me about that scene was that we saw it in black and white, then they cut back to it in color. And I'm like, so wait, the black and white and colour has nothing to do with time. And then we both realised, we think, correct us if we're wrong, listeners, that the black and white was Robert Downey Jr.'s perspective and colour was Oppenheimer's perspective. Is that, is that how you saw it, Cathy?
0: I don't know. I actually don't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't quite capture what was happening. I found all the Robert dude, until I realised that Robert Downey Jr. had been, and they did a bit of a like twist, for want of a better word, the twist Sorry, that, that he twist went, was a
1: bit lame the twist it was kind of obvious had, that he gave the documents go on anyway I, I,
0: well whatever way they were trying to suddenly it was about his witch hunt and not oppenheimer's whatever until that happened i was like why are we spending so much time with robert downey jr like i couldn't actually figure it out i was confused every time he was on screen so i think morning. Uh, morning. i think i was glad when they explained to me why robert downey jr was getting so much screen presence Uh, I I enjoyed like I really enjoyed the kind of perspective of the witch hunt on Oppenheimer and and then him answering for it later But yeah, I was a little bit confused by the whole thing.
1: So what I hadn't known about was all of Oppenheimer's uh, Links to the Communist Party and I found fascinating that was all fascinating to have the McCarthy era um, like uh, Analysis of his background and being discredited as the sort of core kind of conflict in this movie um, and I thought all that was really interesting.
0: Such good storytelling um, as I, well, because we know the bomb's gonna get built. So yeah, what is the core tension?
1: But can I say, another way to the way he uses visuals to uh, express the passage of time really well was that jar filling up with marbles, yeah. uh, you know, which we, we, we know that they, that is them reaching, you know, the time when they've got enough plutonium to, to, to detonate it. And you're just like, so there's, there's a lot of just, simple ways to uh, communicate the story visually that I was so impressed by. I
0: always love anything around communism in the McCarthy era. It makes for such riveting TV and film, right? Because it's so fascinating that there was an actual witch hunt in like a modern day against people who had any associations or or suggested associations with the Communist Party. And I found it really fascinating. One of the things I loved about the film was because it spanned from the 20s to like, the 50s. The 50s. It caught such a, a period of his life. And the fact that, yeah, in the 20s, why wouldn't he have dabbled in communism? And then how that can affect you later on in life is really fascinating. And it, and it did make me question him. And people were like, we don't know Oppenheimer. We don't know what he stands for. You know, there, it could have actually been an element of him uh, being a Russian sympathizer or what else or whatever else in some of the choices he made later on in life. There also could have just been that scientific element of, well, we need to share knowledge because if the Russians know we've built this, then we can all just stop building worse weapons. I also believe that. Like, I I like that we never quite understood his... We never really understood his true motivations. And some of the points the Cross-Examiner was making, like well you suddenly minded afterwards when Russia were going to be the target but you didn't mind when Germany were going to be the target because you're Jewish and you didn't want Germans targeting Jews but then you have sympathies to Russians and like like where his own politics were lying were very interesting I love the stuff from when he was in the 20s and he was studying in Europe and the fact that he obviously was like genius who could pick up every language and whatever else and he actually knew all the German scientists who were then going to be building the bomb Hitler,
1: Hi, uh, like he knew Heisen- everyone. Heisenberg and
0: like he was the Niles most Bohr. networked scientist ever because of his time spent in Europe. And at that time, it was such an like a new field of study. So there was only like a few brilliant minds working in it. So but, all that stuff is just,
1: but that's so what, interesting. But that's one of the core themes of this movie: is science versus politics. And we get, you know, we hear Josh Hartnett's, um, um, playing that Professor Lawrence. You know, telling him time and time again. There's no room for politics in the in the in this university, right? Keep keep it off. You know he's trying to unionize the professors, um, but but it's it's a hypocrisy because ultimately they get swallowed up by politics. They get they're working for the for the American government, right? That you cannot separate the two. And and just to your point, before politics interferes, you have a worldwide network of scientists brought together by scientists not by borders mm-hmm. and that is you know that those, those divisions are then inserted because of germany and america and, and russia and and the the, the national uh, stage politics and and ultimately that's the kind of decision that oppenheimer has to make in the end is that science is and he he makes the conscious decision to hand over science to the government right and that's kind of what he's saying in the hearing you know it's like it wasn't my decision to make I made a recommendation but it's also
0: like to to Einstein's point though as well is like once you've done it you can't undo it Yes. once you've added to the scientific knowledge it's for them now
1: it's not for you and it's also
0: for them and it's also for anyone can take your science and do whatever they want with it afterwards and like so he was very much the boss and the big man for a couple of years in, in managing the site and developing it all. And then I love how they showed us how basically impotent he was after that. Like he couldn't even get his phone calls answered. Yeah. And he didn't like that. So he wanted to go back to having a position of power and influence. So that's very interesting as well. Also, total side note that Oppenheimer is like a complete horn i <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love that, that addition. Um,
1: oh, I wish we could get that on the poster
0: yeah I wasn't expecting that and um, quite enjoyed it Um, I think there's like there's kind of too much to talk about with it and like we could talk about it for another three hours but I'm just I like what a day like it was so I can't believe we haven't gone back to back in the cinema since before we kids two such different movies that it was a brilliant thing like you could never so satisfying you could never go back to back on like Oh, two marvel movies isn't it you know what i mean like they're they're so different and i think that is what was so good about watching them back to back but they
1: paired really well they together they paired really well and, But i think they're both great examples of what cinema can provide exactly. and i don't just mean movies i mean like the they looked great on the yeah. big screen both of them they they were um just entertaining or and and thought provoking they're they're both they they're so perfectly complemented yeah. and i love that the world just kind of got behind this, this scheduling I conflict. I like when we
0: went to the bigger cinema, right, which is way more screens and stuff, to see Oppenheimer, the amount, because that's a huge shopping center, we went in to get food and like, there Everyone was, was whole like tables of people in yeah. pink, male and female. It was so fun. Like the whole cinema was talking to people wearing pink. There was definitely more people there to see Barbie than Oppenheimer because interestingly, more of the Mac screens had been handed over to Barbie than Oppenheimer. I think partially it's a programming thing because Oppenheimer is so long, so you can get more money if you put the Barbies in, but also because of the demand I'm guessing. And So yeah, it was quite a buzz. I'm absolutely buzzing after a day yesterday. Uh, I can't believe I'm glad we ended on Oppenheimer, actually. And, and funnily, I had thought of doing it the other way because Barbie would be like the palate cleanser. Because I was thinking that Oppenheimer that, that could would be a have bit been, dull. That would have been
1: my choice as well, but.
0: but Because Oppenheimer, because I thought it might have been a bit dull no, or No, Oppenheimer intense. was exciting. But exactly, yeah. yeah. it was so I, exciting. So, and, and I, and because I sometimes would come out of a Christopher Nolan film like a bit cold, like a lot of the Dark Knight stuff. So I was thinking I'd need Barbie afterwards. But actually, I'm gl- I think Oppenheimer was the better second.
1: Yeah, I think it worked really well. Yeah. Barbie was a really good appetizer. Now,
0: I'm going to go and see Barbie again yeah. on Tuesday, so therefore, Oppenheimer's actually the center of a Barbie sandwich for me. <laughs> um, I'd love to see Oppenheimer again in like 10 years. I'd love it to get a cinematic re release. Yeah. Like, I'd love to watch Yeah, I can't
1: imagine throwing this on at home. No. Like, I don't know. I feel like I've experienced it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, look, l- guys, let us know what you thought of uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie. We are thecinemile at gmail.com if you want to email us uh, or at thecinemile on Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram. Um, and, and come over to
0: Patreon where we review uh, TV shows and movies. This month we're doing conspiracy theory movies which our patrons are picking which I can't wait because love is conspiracy theory. And there yes, might and, and we've, just, of-
1: we've just finished a Silo season one review. Yeah. Um, and there's yeah, loads, loads, of, loads, loads of good TV stuff. And more
0: and just like that episode's coming for me. You get about
1: 45 <laughs> old movie reviews up there as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so anyway, tell us what you thought of Oppenheimer and Barbie. Can't wait to hear from everyone. Bye. Bye. Oh my life been so polite. Cause I'm just kidding. Anywhere else I'd be
1: dead. Is it my destiny to live and die alive of blonde fragility I'm just kidding Where I see love she sees a friend, what will it